Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. How many is glad to be in God's house tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be together and to worship his wonderful name all together in one place, singing the same song, talking to the same God, and having everybody behind you being able to lift up that most holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a word of God that I feel God laid on my heart for several weeks now, and I want to jump right into the word of God and, and just take a few moments. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, you know, as a preacher, it's dangerous to go into a chapter that I know it's been probably 30 weeks ago that you taught on, but one that your pastor recently taught on. But I just want to jump into it for the, the sake of a text and uh, bear my heart tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 says, In seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and where he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught him them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and lift our hands unto heaven? Asking God to touch us, Heavenly Father, we need you tonight in this service. We ask you, God, to anoint these lips, God, and on our hearts, our ears to hear your word. God, we ask you to continue to move in this house. Let us respond to your word, Jesus. Touch my heart, God. Speak to my heart, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Master. We lift you up tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. If you'll help me preach tonight, you may be seated. Going through life, we all get accustomed to having various people that become a part of our life. And we are at many times through our lives, whether it be through business, personal, or family, we have the opportunity to introduce someone we know to someone who does not know them. We are a connection. And saints of God, tonight, this house, tonight is the connection to somebody's issues, somebody's problems. This service tonight, it's how we handle the introduction on how they receive my friend, my Savior, the one who changed my life. It's all about how we present Jesus is how they receive him. I want to be able to preach to us today about satisfaction guaranteed, satisfaction guaranteed. If you'll give me just a few moments to lay the groundwork, I promise I will try to get through as much as I can. But I want to start off with an example that I read, and it's quite powerful in its context. It's talking about a story where it says a little girl and her, and her mother, Susanna, and, and they were caught in a building. And as they were in this building, they'd went to go. Susanna had been to go see her sister and to try on a dress that she had made for her. And as they're in the fifth story of a nine-story building, one of the most horrific accidents that's ever happened in Soviet Armenia happened. It was 1988, and as they're on the fifth floor, so she begins to feel the room begin to shake. And out of instinct of a mother, 
ran over and grabbed her daughter and her sister-in-law was standing there and they had no other opportunity to react and the building began to crumble and they said they fell all the way down to the basement of a nine-story building and they're laying there and she looks over and there's the body disconfigured of her sister-in-law dead and had passed on and had it injured and, and she's laying there. She says there's just a concrete slab above her about 18 inches away from her face and there's a pipe laying across her body and her little four-year-old daughter is laying there with her and, and all of a sudden the first thing she hears is, Mama, I'm so thirsty. And she's laying there and the dust is settled and she says, I want you to give me a drink. As they're laying there and no doubt everything was going on around them, the, the, the mind begins to go crazy. And thinking in myself in that example, you're beginning to assess the situation. Can we get out? And you're trying to keep the nerves calm and you're trying to keep your mind from racing away. You see a loved one there dead, but you're trying to make sure everything's all right and taking care of your child. And as they go on and they're, they're laying there and she's flat on her back and she's trapped and she said the only thing she could find was a small jar of jam. She picked it up and she rolled it over to her daughter and said, here, you can drink, eat this. And so she ate on that for a couple of days and by day two, that uh, bottle was absolutely empty. And as they began to lay there and she said she would fight through the nights and sleep would come and it was fitful and they were trying to just get through all the things that are going on and, and in her minds and she said just occasionally she'd get uh, just a glimpse of reprieve by just a few hours of sleep and what would wake her up would be her daughter's voice saying, Mama, I'm so thirsty. I need something to drink. And as she knew, she says, I'm going to die. She goes, I want to do everything I can to preserve the life of my daughter and she's laying there and she begins to go through her mind. And in her mind, she remembered a story where she had read where some explorers had went through and began, got trapped and they were in the same situation, did not have any fluids, no water to take care of themselves. And, and she's like, you know what? I remember what they did. One guy done this for another. He reached over and cut his hand open and said, here, drink my blood. She said she knew she had to do it. She said she would do anything to help her daughter live through this time. She said in, in the darkness, the dampness, her hands had become to go just numb because it was so cold. And in the midst of this incident, she had uh, been down to just a minimal of clothes. And she's laying there, and she reached over and found a dress laying on the ground. And she went and put it underneath her daughter. And she took her nylons off and wrapped her everything she had around her. And, and she's laying there, and she said, I reached over and found a piece of broken glass. I reached over and cut one of my fingers. I couldn't feel it, and I cut one of my fingers open and gave it to my daughter and said, here, suck on this. She said that only lasted so long, and the daughter said, Mama, Mama, cut another finger. And she cut another finger. And she said she don't know how many times she cut her body trying to allow something to get to her daughter. And all total, they were trapped eight days past her. Eight days with 18 inches away from their face. Eight days of cutting and saying, Honey, here, suck on this. Eight days of feeling trapped. Because of the darkness, she lost track of time. She lost track of everything, and soon rescue came. It was looking in her mind. She says, I had to give the ultimate sacrifice. I had to give something that hurt. I had to give something that went beyond just my own selfish needs and say, no, I'll do it for myself. But we find that in their fallen world, our Lord Jesus Christ pierced his hands. 
In the wreckage of a collapsed humanity, his side was ripped open. His children were trapped, but he gave his blood for each and every one of us. He laid himself on the cross willingly. He could have called the host of angels at any time to step into that moment and tear him away. But, but he laid there and he says, I must do this. I must do it for my children. They're saying, Daddy, I'm thirsty. They're laying him their sins and the sins in the future. They're laying there saying, Daddy, I'm so thirsty. And he said, willingly I'll rip my side open. Willingly I'll have nails pierce my hands and willingly my back will be lashed just so my children can live. Saints of God, to take repentance and just take it when you need it and take it when you want it is discrediting the sacrifice that our Savior did for each and every one of us. We were all trapped in our sin. We were all there under submission of sin and just pounding on us day after day. But he says, I'll do it. I'll do it for you and for you. And he called our names and says, I'm going to do it for him. And here's some more blood. Just one drop of blood is all you need. Just one drop of blood and everything's okay. The problem is the treasure of earth doesn't satisfy the promise is the treasure of heaven does. The promise is what we should be living for today, not the treasure of earth that doth moth and rust doth corrupt and take away from us. And you may think you have a nice car now, but a couple of years or months down the road, you'll say, well, everybody else has got something newer than me. Everybody else has got a house bigger than me. When I grew up, this house was big, and everybody else's is better and newer. It's all going to fade. It all has its place in time where it's just going to fall by the wayside. Satisfaction guaranteed. The intense physical desire. I believe in the value of desire. One person with commitment and persistence and endurance will accomplish more than a thousand people with just the passing interest in a situation. One person committed to make him change. One person committed to doing something outside of the ordinary is more effective than a whole host of people saying, oh, that sounds good. Sign me up and never do. We find in looking through life that quitting is a habit, is a habit, but so is persistence. So many times we look on the negative and we got to stop and you got to stop doing this, but saints of God, revival is through persistence. Revival is through the persistence of someone saying, I've got to have my family safe. My son, my daughter, they've got to have this. And we get down on our knees and we sacrifice our old man and we lay him down on a cross and say, crucify me and my interest and my desires. I must persevere through my flesh. And, and we let the drops of blood and God just wash over us, renew us once again, and we get up with a renewed vigor in life and we say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about this baptism in Jesus name let me tell you about my church let me tell you and you begin to get the renewed desire to sacrifice for somebody else persistence these verses that we read speak of strong desire and driving pursuit and passionate forces inside the soul. It, it speaks to the person who knows they must have something more or they're going to die. You can peruse the Internet and you can find message boards and people put it out on Facebook and social media. They'll bear their heart just for somebody to reach out to them and say, hey, everything's going to be all right. They're not talking to the right person. 
They haven't talked to someone who's been to Calvary, someone who went into a tomb and rose again. They haven't talked to the person that's alive and well, gave us this word. Saints of God, we are the people that connect those people to God. We're the ones that just so happen to be in a coffee shop and say, let me introduce you to Jesus. We're the people that just so happen to be at work and say, I'll pray for your need. We're the ones in between God and them, the tool, the vessel. Someone says, I'll be persistent. How many of us would be sitting here that we only came to church because someone asked us one time? Only came one time on the bus. Only came one time through those back doors. Only came one time to a Bible study. But if someone was persistent, someone pushed through it and says, you know what, it's uncomfortable for me to call them again, but I'm going to call them again. It's uncomfortable for me to invite them, but I'm going to invite them again because I know what weighs in the balance is sin and death and eternity and a lake of fire. But I know what they can have if I can just help them get to him. Jesus speaks of the kind of drive that does not cease until it's satisfied. When we hunger, we find the only thing on our mind is food. How many had food on their mind Friday afternoon? Can I get a witness? There was every candy bowl, and it just so happened that everybody decided to eat lunch in the office. My tongue was just saliva was just pouring off that thing. I was so hungry. When we're hungry for something, we'll think about it. Have we continued to think about revival? When you're hungry for something, you'll do whatever it takes. When you're hungry for something, you'll say, I'll push my budget to the limit to get me some food. I'll, I'll go to mama's house. I'll call on somebody to help. When you're hungry for someone, you, something, you'll invite them to church. When you're hungry for something, you'll teach a Bible study. When you're hungry for something, you'll do whatever it takes to get them to this altar. You'll invite them. You'll drag them down here. You'll pour your salted tears into this carpet and say, accept you, repent, and be baptized in Jesus' name. When you're hungry for something, you'll do whatever it takes. When you pray, their name jumps to your mind. You say, God, save them. God, you promised. And you begin to tell him. In our flesh, we find that our stomach's growling. We're craving. The mind is fuzzy. We get the migraines. And we get the wobble in the knees going through a fast day. It's amazing what a good meal can do to us. Strength comes back. Headaches left. Visions are cleared. On a Friday afternoon, Coming home from work, generally coming home from work, I'll call my family, ask my wife, what's for dinner? Coming home on Friday, I really don't care. I walk in the door, it could be Kraft mac and cheese, it could be a bologna sandwich with mustard and chips, I could care less. I'm so hungry. We have our expectations of revival so high, only certain people can walk in. Only certain friends can be a part of this. Only certain people can sit on these pews. God says, whosoever will, let them come. If you're going to deny them from the water of salvation and an altar of repentance, shame on you. Invite whosoever will. Ask them, come on, you've got to come to my church. I don't care about the embarrassment. You've got to come see the man called Jesus Christ. You've got to be able to lift your hands and say, God, forgive me. Change me, O oh God. Real hunger. We live our testimony. But is the result satisfaction guaranteed that we show everybody around us? Or is that just something we try to hold to ourselves? 
looking through your jobs, you'll find people that hold knowledge. They don't want to share it. They call it job security, Pastor. They feel if they share something that you have something over on them. Saints of God, there's nothing that you could ever have or anybody else could have over on you when you say, just read this Bible. Seen the Bible studies walking in the back door. Just read this Bible study. They're not going to get anything else that you haven't except that they repent and are baptized. They're going to get the same Jesus, the same God. You might as well join them and lock arms and go hand in hand through the pearly gates and say, we done it together. It was something that we did together. We look at our families. We wonder, why aren't they in church today? You go on social media, you'll see pastors' kids and, and saints' kids, and you'll see saints that used to go to church no longer needing a God, no longer needing anything to do with this oneness, baptism in Jesus' name. They haven't got satisfaction guaranteed. They sold themselves short. We want something more. Something's missing a restlessness, a desire to take the people to the extreme. It's thirst. Something pushes us. A thirst in this world has driven things to an extreme. Dare say, you say someone's name like Miley Cyrus, driven to the extreme of the perversion of satisfying people in this world. Sin will drive you so much further than you thought you could ever go. Sin, when you put a mask on it and you reveal it for what it is and you, you just, you're just you waving your hand around and you can't find it. But when you begin to see sin for what it really is, the face that reveals itself is horrific. One that destroys families, lives, and pushes people down to the gutter of life. Sin, when you see it for what it really is and how it consumes the soul, you say, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't have to be an alcoholic for me to know alcohol is bad. I don't have to be someone strung out on drugs. All I have to do is look in their face and see the pain and the torment of what their life goes through. We see people, it's possible to desire a wrong thing in a right way or for a wrong motive. We look at Lucifer. He basked in the presence of the splendor of God's glory, stood in places where people will never be able to go. But he got obsessed. Something said, listen, i got to make myself like God. He lusted for more power than he already had. The Scripture reminds us that it was by pride and the devil fell in condemnation. We find Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He ruled over the greatest of the world empires. But he stood there one day on the roof of his royal palace and reflected. He says, is this not Babylon the great which I built for myself as a royal residence by the might of my power? And for the glory of my majesty, it was then that Jesus' God's reaction was swift. And condemnation of the devil fell, and the word was in the king's mouth. The voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you and will driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place, place will be with the beasts of the field. We will be given grass to eat like the cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes." You can sit here today and say, I've done some things for myself. I've put together some things, and I'm doing quite well. But God is the one who holds everything in the palm of his hands. He's the one who stands there and says, you have it because I gave it to you. 
Jesus told the parable of the rich farmer whose crops were so abundant that he did not have enough space to store them. After planning to tear down his old barns and build bigger ones, he said, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and who will own what you have prepared? So this is the man who lays up his treasure for himself, is not rich towards God. We find that Lucifer hungered for power. Nebuchadnezzar for praise, the rich fool for pleasures of possessions, but because they hungered for the wrong things and rejected God's good things, they lost them both. Saints of God, too much is at our fingertips. We've been through too much these last few weeks and over the years to let it just fall away and settle. Say, oh, well, there's a handful sitting here. Saints of God, we cannot be too selfish with saints of God sitting on the pew. We can't say, oh, that's just enough or I've done my part. We've never all arrived. None of us here sitting here today have arrived where God has to do no more work for us. We must continue to strive for the prize. We must continue to desire after the things, after the righteousness of him. We have to be thirsty. We're not thirsty for fame and possessions and passion of romance. We can read through our lives and see what people's done in their lives and the bad decisions. We see that that's the wrong desires. They don't quench. They kill the soul. The desires that are perverted saying, oh, I need more of. They kill the soul. Righteousness. Righteousness. That's what we thirst for. Thirsty for peace of mind, we crave a clean slate. We yearn for a fresh start. We pray for a hand of God that will enter into our dark cavern of our world and do for us one thing that we can't do for ourselves, make us right again. None of us in our prayers to ourselves can fix our problems. None of us in our own accolades to ourselves can fix our problems. None of the own testimonies that's selfish and look at it yourselves can fix your problems, but Jesus can. Jesus is the one that can walk in this situation today and fix each and every problem with satisfaction guaranteed. Saints of God, the people don't want righteousness because they do not know better. We find as we look through and pastor touch on it this morning, there's so many ways that are being taught to get to Jesus. They don't get you there. They don't realize what a great life they could have. It's because they have been turned off by joyless, hypocritical Christians that sit on church pews and just wave their hand, put their little hanky in the air, and they walk out and they're not changed. But it's atmospheres like we have today where people can walk in the doors and you know who they see? It's Jesus. You may think you're sitting here as an individual lifting your hands and singing songs, but they walk in the back doors and they feel it's Jesus. People have just enough religion to make themselves miserable in this world. They see the signs. They see the, the shows on television. They see the hypocritical people in their job and in their family. They have just enough of Jesus to say, I don't want it. It's up to us to break that mold. It's up to us to be the example. It's up to us to say, listen, I've got to be there for them. It's up to us to say, I've got to bear the burden of showing them just how powerful God is. There were two categories of individuals. 
those convinced of salvation and those that are seeking it, the saved and the lost. For the lost, thirst is salvation. They put a face on it. They put a face on looking for salvation, something to change them. And they put a drug in their mouth, shoot it in their vein. It's all in the search for salvation. Something inside of them they don't like. Pop a pill, drink the booze, go overboard, and just fill their life with these things of the world. It's all in the search for salvation. They can try to convince themselves but there's people that say, when I have the stressful weeks, when the job just is relentless and things in life are crashing about me, I just drink to knock the edge off just so I'll calm down. No, they're looking for something to change the situation, get their mind off of their current circumstance, trying to push the bad out of their life and so they forget about it and have a good time and feel good about themselves. But when the high comes crashing low and they're laying in the gutter saying, what have I done? I feel bad. It's all in the search for salvation. I say that to clarify this point. Have a little tenderness for people in your life that you just say, they just won't stop. They won't, they won't give it up. I've tried to tell them time and time again. You've got to understand their problem, what they're going through, and you've got to say, listen, you come when you're ready, but this is how you've got to do it. This is what the necessity is. You have to come to a one Miss Jesus name church. You cannot go to another. You can't go through the rituals and the routines. You can't just sign the card and everything be okay. You've got to give up everything that's consuming your life until they You'll never have salvation. The path of redemption in poverty of spirit. I'm wrong and I need help. This person sees their sin. In mourning and sorrow, he laments and turns away from sin. He's sickened by it. In meekness, he submits his own sinful way and powers to God. In hunger and thirst, he seeks God's righteousness in Christ to replace his own self righteousness. Saints of God, we all have to go through the same steps. We all have to see ourselves for what we really are. We all have to see the sin that's consumed the lives for what they really are. Saints of God, you know, you can't fix anybody else's problem, but you got to be there for them. You have to be the one that says, listen, when you get to this step, well, here's the next step. you got to coax them along saying, all right, you've made it this far. Don't go back. Don't give up. He's waiting right here. You may have laid it down, that sin for a season, but you don't have to go back to it. You don't have to pick that nasty, filthy sin back up. You don't have to go back and rub your face in it and everybody look at you and say, well, I told you they was going to go back. I told you they didn't have it in you. That's what your friends and your family that don't support your change are going to say. I didn't think he was going to make it. He's never been successful. He's never done anything right in his life, but you got to be there, saint of God, to say you can do it. You can make it. I'm right here with you. I'm praying for you. I'm fasting. Your name's at the top of my prayer list. You can be here. Come to the altar. I'll pray with you. Saints of God, we must be there every step of the way. The greatest obstacle in receiving the righteousness of Christ is the confidence in our own righteousness. We must say, listen, God, it's all about you. Nothing about me, it's all about you. For the saved, we find it sanctification, the release of power over sin, turning away from sin, running towards God, growing in our relationship with him. 
As I said before, no one in this house has arrived. If you've arrived, you're under an illusion. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry to break the news to you. None of us have arrived. Children of God never stop hungering and thirsting after righteousness, his righteousness. Paul prayed that the Philippians would abound more and more in real knowledge and discerning so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. The righteousness, we can never get enough of God. If you think you can go through a service and just do it through the motions and I'm okay, you're not seeking after the righteousness. You're not hungry. The things of God are not fresh on your mind. Just as we are on our fast days coming home and say, I'm ready for a meal, we come to the house of God, we should say, God, I'm hungry for your righteousness. I don't care how it comes. I don't care who preaches it. I don't care what prayer I have to pray. I don't care what song I have to sing. God, I want your righteousness. In spite of all the distractions, there is no substitute for victory of holy desire. In spite of all that goes on around us, there is no substitute for God. There's no substitute for the feeling of God's love. You can say what you will. You can put things in your life to fill the void. But there is absolutely no substitute on God's hand. Reach him down in your life and saying, I fill you with the Holy Ghost. I've given you direction. I've given you my will. There's no substitute for victory. In closing, there's a story of a group of libertarian Palestinian World War I troops, a combination of British, Australian, and New Zealand troops were closely pursuing the Turks across the desert. As they began to retreat, they began to follow. The Allied troops began to follow quickly after them. And as they began to go, they realized they had lost their water supply, which was by camel that was behind them. And the troops, when the water ran out, their mouths got dry. Their heads began to ache. They became dizzy and faint. Eyes became bloodshot. Lips swelled and turned purple. Barrages came common and people began to see things. And vultures wheeled expectedly in the sky, expecting something to happen. They were wells a hard day of march away from a watering hole and they had found out about it. Fighting for their lives, they went to this watering hole and drove the people that they were actually wanting to kill and destroy. They drove them away so they could get to it and drink water. Water was being distributed from stone cisterns, and they were still in the night air. You could hear the water, the fresh, babbling water flowing into the tanks distinctly. And as they stood there, the able-bodied men were required to stand at attention and allow those that were sick and ill and didn't have the strength to come up and drink water. They stood there for four hours knowing that their answer was right there to abreast company by company. And four hours later, the last man had had his last drink. During that time, they'd stood no more than 20 feet from thousands upon thousands of gallons of water. They sit there and they stood there out of respect, agonizing after agonizing day after day. They stood there for four hours just reaching and wanting and something inside of them saying, I want that drink of water. They were tortured by hearing the babbling of the water just flowing and everybody getting their drinks, saints of God. Today, you're not far from living water. Are you thirsty? 
Is it something that we reach for inside of us as we stand today? Saints of God, we stand here today. We sit in his presence. Sinners walk in the door. We need to stand there and say, hey, why don't you come up here and get a drink? We can get a drink. We've drank from that well. We've splashed in it. We've poured his joy over us. We've sit there and we said, God, fill me, and it flows in us. And we have the services where we dance and we shout and we sit there and the glory of God gets poured out and you're speaking in tongues and you don't care what's going on around us. But saints of God, there's people that are here in services, including the one tonight that need Jesus. They're standing just feet away from the living water. They're standing just feet away from being able to lift their hands and say, God, save me from my sin. It's time for us that are well-abled and bodied that know who to go through, that know what channels to talk to and, and say, God, I've talked to you many times, but I've got my friend here that doesn't have you. You need the Holy Ghost. And God begins to pour out a spirit. Saints of God, that should become regular in this house to where we walk in arm in arm and say, I told you. I told you it was real. I told you it just wasn't a story. Look at all these people. They went through the same valleys. They've climbed the same mountains. They've talked to the same Jesus. They've been baptized in the same water in the same name. It's real and it's alive. It can change your life. Saints of God, stand back from the water a little bit and allow somebody else to bury their face in it and say, God, wash them of their sins. Consume the desires. Allow them to have absolute satisfaction in someone called Jesus Christ. Scripture says, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Jesus told the woman at the well, but she had drunk from many wells, and she was deeply dissatisfied. Jesus knows that he knows us, but whosoever drinks of his water, I shall give, shall never thirst again. Jesus knew the answer to everything. He stood there at the well, and he offered the opportunity. Saints of God, we stand here today. The opportunity is before us to drink from the well. I don't care how long you've been in church or how long you've been around this truth. God wants us all to have satisfaction guaranteed in our life. God wants to renew the joy of your salvation. If you're not happy about what Jesus did, he wants to renew the joy of your satisfaction in him, saying, God, thank you for saving me. I appreciate my testimony. I thank you for all all that you've done for me. Allow me to walk through the back doors and lift my hands and sing the songs of salvation. God wants to restore the joy of your salvation. Let's lift our hands and talk to him tonight. Heavenly Father, you see the need. God, you see the need in each and every individual in this house. We ask you, God, to step in the scene and talk to somebody. Allow somebody, God, to open up their heart. They've been walking for so long, going through the valleys. It's been the ups and the downs. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here, God. They need to feel you. They need a touch of the Holy Ghost. They need to be renewed in your spirit. They need to touch you once again, God. Renew that joy, that peace. Allow him, God, to feel your presence one more time. Give him the opportunity, God, to lift up their hands and calling on your name, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we find us a place to pray? Hallelujah, Master, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 